with us. And we are in Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. That was in reference to Isaiah 7.14. Which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she gave birth, had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. Father, it's, um, it's quite amazing. And I know for many, it's even beyond belief. And yet, we are blessed if we do believe. In fact, as we believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Repenting of our sins and turning to you. That salvation comes through him. For there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So God with us. Lord, you are truly awesome. You are beyond words. And Lord, I pray that as we read once more the story of how it was that Mary conceived miraculously from the Spirit, the Son of God, that we would be moved that, Lord, we would continue to deepen our trust in you, our faith in you, and you would continue to do a work in us. Father, all to your glory. Thank you, Lord, that you sent your only begotten Son. And whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Lord, may we never take that eternal life for granted. May we truly live out this life to your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so Matthew writes the account of the birth of Jesus Christ. And um, in Matthew, we need to keep in mind because um, that the fact that he is a tax collector. So everything for him is just the bottom line. You know, it's just cut to the chase. He gives us a lot of facts, and it's very brief. Luke gives us, gives us a more detailed account of how it was that this took place. But man is born with his face turned away from God. But in the birth of Jesus Christ, God's face was placed before us that we may behold his glory. As John wrote, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. In Christ, hope was born. And hope is alive. And it was God's Love that was demonstrated to us 
by sending his only begotten son to not only be born as a man, but also to die on the cross as a sinner. God with us is a reality that demands our attention, drives us to contemplation, and I pray compels us to take action. Joseph, like many of us, would have trouble understanding the issue that he had been presented before him. I'm sure most of us would experience the same feelings, the same emotions. We'd be troubled. He was betrothed to Mary, preparing to marry her. And here he finds out that she is pregnant. But what seemed to be a dark day was turned into a hope-filled day. Joseph coming to know that God had a plan that had been spoken of long ago through the prophets and it was being fulfilled and he was a part of it. He was addressed as Joseph, the son of David. Oh, the, the, the kingly lineage of David, the continuation of his throne. The hope of all mankind was sent, God with us, Jesus Christ. This hope was and is for reconciling man unto God. Oswald Chambers said this, quote, The incarnation was not for the, the self-realization of God, but for the purpose of removing sin and reinstating humanity into communion with God, close quote. Oftentimes we, we come to church, and I know there are a lot of motivational speakers that uh, fill the pulpits of many churches, and they tell you how it is that you can be great, how it is that God has a plan and purpose for you, but it's not for the sake of glorifying Him fully. It's actually so that you could be fulfilled in your life. Well, you're satisfied the moment that you repent and give your life to Jesus Christ. You find out that you are satisfied and He is your fulfillment. So it's not about self-realization. It's about understanding who God is in our lives. And I'll tell you what, you will never live life with greater purpose until the time when you realize who God is in your life and how it is that he came simply to save you in the flesh, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That's the most important thing that you could realize this morning and and every day. Come to that awareness. C.S. Lewis said this, Quote, the Son of Man became man to enable men to become the sons of God. That is amazing. That is grace right there delivered to us. To some degree, I have found that Jesus Christ has been born in the hearts of men in the same way he was born to Mary. First of all, the miracle is difficult to believe. If you think about, I remember going back, and that's, that's why... Uh, I say this is because I remember how it happened with me, what I experienced. You know, yes, on the surface, I believed who God was. I grew up with uh, kind of an open understanding, an acceptance of, of God in general. You know, when people say they believe in God, they believe of God. But it doesn't necessarily mean that they believe that Jesus is the Son of God and, and truly understand that. But I remember when it was first presented to me, the gospel of Jesus Christ, truly, in, in its fullest, the miracle was somewhat difficult to believe, but no less true. Secondly, 
as my dear friend Mike was as incredible as he was as a friend, gave me his Desert Storm Bible and he said, read. You got to read for yourself. See it for yourself. You can hear it from me, but you got to read it. I began to get some divine clarity. It wasn't just sitting still and meditating and and emptying my mind and, and thinking on God. It doesn't happen like that. Here's how divine clarity comes in. You read the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit gives you understanding. That's how it happens. And I remember going through the Word of God and getting that divine clarity. It's like, wow, this is how much God loves us. He truly sent His Son to die on the cross in my place, pay for something I owed, take upon Himself the sins of the world. And then came a personal belief and conviction. This comes in the person who has himself been born again in Jesus Christ, coming to know salvation and forgiveness in him and only through him. You see, this conviction is this, you know, for anyone who says, well, I don't, I, I don't feel guilty at all of, of any sin whatsoever. And then the question is, well, do you have a conscience? Because your conscience is the one that brings you to an awareness of the fact that we were sinful. I mean, no one had to tell me. I, I remember being explained, you know, the gospel. and it was, It's very simple. And then me being told, and you have sinned. You have sinned against God. I hadn't grown up in church. But I can look back and I can definitely say, at that point, I was agreeing. And in my spirit, I was saying, amen. I understood. Yes, I have fallen so short. I have sinned. And I understand, as you're explaining that to me, I know, yes, I have sinned against God and God alone. So we see this before us in how it is that the Lord was bringing forth this this message, this um, beautiful story of hope in Jesus Christ. And Joseph was chosen by the Lord to be in the lineage, to be, you could see, say, that earthly vessel that was used to raise, you say, the Son of God? But he was explaining to him who this one was that was conceived in Mary, his betrothed. And Joseph, the one who had trouble believing, had divine clarity through the very word of God that was sent by the angel to be spoken to him and was brought to belief. And I pray that that's the the way that we we go through um, our own lives. That sometimes in our lives we need to break that mold. We need to uh, get past our unbelief. You remember the, the child's father who said, I believe, help my unbelief. For us even as believers... There are things that are difficult for us to truly grasp, to truly hold on to. Remember, it was Joseph was a just man. Zechariah, he was a just man. In fact, he was serving in the temple when the angel Gabriel came to him and told him about his wife being with child even at an old age, having John the Baptist. These are things hard to grasp 
what we need to do is continue to go to the Word of God, receive divine clarity through His Word, and then allow the Lord to build our faith up. Let's see uh, what it says here about how it was that Joseph had a little trouble believing. Verse 18 says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Again, remember that Matthew, the one who wrote the gospel... Uh, was a tax collector, and he was given just the facts. That's what he was given. Well, that's what we get here. It's the bottom line, right? The facts are Joseph and Mary are betrothed to be married. Mary is now pregnant. They had not been intimate. They had not had sex. They had not come together. Three parts to being married. One, number one, it was the, the engagement. That many times was the arrangement that uh, some parents got together and, and arranged the wedding. And, and so there was the engagement. And then there was the betro- betrothal, uh, which was uh, the engagement made official by the two that came together. And that normally lasted about a year before they actually uh, went through the wedding itself. And then the marriage only came until after the wedding itself. The ceremony. While Luke's account gives ample description and gives Mary's perspective, Matthew's account gives little description and gives us Joseph's perspective. Right away, Matthew tells us that Mary was pregnant, found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. See, that's very important for for us to understand that there's no question about it. She miraculously conceived... As the Spirit overshadowed her, as it was explained in the Gospel of Luke, and Mary was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. But it doesn't appear that Mary had told Joseph that it was by the overshadowing of the power of the Most High, or maybe she had, but he couldn't quite understand it. He couldn't quite believe it. Have you ever heard something in the Word of God and you're like, I hear it, I read it. I don't fully understand it. I I don't fully get it. The virgin conception, the virgin birth, was difficult for people to believe in that day and is likewise for people to believe even today. So don't don't go hard on people when it's like, "Ah, don't you believe that? Give them some divine clarity. Tell them in love and and then give them the word. Give them your Bible. Hey, you know what? Read in here and then come back. We'll talk about it. Read here. We'll talk about it. We'll come back. Extend yourself to someone with a love. Do you want to know what some thought of Jesus in his day? You simply have to go to John chapter 8, verse 41. And you would know. He was told, you are doing the works your father did. They said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one Father, even God. Like, whoa, wow. So the, the way they were seeing Jesus, you were born out of sexual immorality. The way they looked at him was, was some people perceived him to be a bastard. 
That's how they perceived him. They did not believe. In other words, they didn't believe that Joseph was, was you know, the man who was betrothed to Mary, his mother, who bore him, and he was conceived from the Holy Spirit. They didn't believe that. C.H. Spurgeon said this, quote, There was no other way of his being born, for, he had, for had he been of a sinful father, how should he have possessed a sinless nature? He is born of a woman, that he might be human, but not by man, that he might not be sinful. Close quote. We need to understand that this was a great trial for Joseph and Mary. I mean, it would be distressing and would demand a fully conscientious understanding of the circumstances and their own personal integrity to get through this. Perhaps this is why Joseph seemed perplexed by the situation and unwilling to put Mary to open shame, to public shame. Because he had learned of this, but he he was thinking about it. He didn't want to just put her out and subject her to public shame. Scripture tells us that Joseph was a just man. But he must have also known that Mary was a just woman. Both Mary's and Joseph's reputations were on the line. But one thing that was also required here was a strong confidence in God. When things don't fully make sense, a person needs to place their complete confidence in God and know that He is there and He will see them through it. Even when it doesn't make sense, to trust Him, to wait for Him. You see, divorce is a public act. There's nothing secret about it. People will find out at some, at some time, at some moment, they will find out. And I know that there is much shame in divorce. There is, um, talk about humbling, and you feel like the world is against you, and you feel like um, just the, the weight is on you, and... and it's just, uh, it's very difficult. And, and so Joseph didn't want that for Mary. Didn't want that at all. He's trying to uh, do this in the most private way he could. Being tender and gentle in doing so. Joseph is a great example here of attempting to do a difficult and severe thing in the most gentle way possible. Even before it was revealed to him by the angel, the truth of the matter He was already attempting to do this in the most gentle way. But he had trouble believing. If you've ever had trouble believing, you're in good company. So did Joseph, as well as Thomas and the other disciples. Thomas had a difficult time believing that Jesus was resurrected. He said, not until I see him. I see his holes in his hands and the holes in his side. And Jesus did appear to him. 
But don't feel, don't feel down. Don't feel depressed. Don't feel overwhelmed. If you come to a point in your walk with the Lord, in your faith, in reading the Word of God, you're like, Lord, I don't, I can't grasp that right now. I, I don't know if I can like really understand it. But if you ask the Lord, He will give it to you. He will give you understanding. Just keep going. Don't stop there. We see divine clarity coming into the picture here, here in verses 20 through 23. But as he considered these things, he contemplated, he thought about these things. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Ah, okay. So this is what it is. And he received this word from the angel as being absolute truth. The angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Perhaps it was Gabriel. We're not told here. Uh, uh, The angel Gabriel was the one who appeared to um, Zacharias. He was the one who appeared to Mary. Those were actual visitations. This was... Uh, described as a dream. But Joseph was obviously troubled by the whole situation. He was not comfortable, although he had decided to put Mary away quietly through divorce. Here are some important points to note that the angel pointed out to Joseph. Number one, this was an important reference, and how he referenced Joseph is very important. He said, Joseph, the son of David. Joseph, the son of David. That is the legal lineage of the throne that will continue on. That was prophesied from ages ago, from the prophets. Joseph, the son of David, which speaks of Joseph's legal lineage of David, son of Jesse, the formal lineage of the throne. That was a very important way of addressing Joseph. Secondly, do not fear. How often do we see how angels approach, God approaches, do not fear, do not fear, and you hear that. If we actually have a visitation by an angel, I'm sure we're going to be struck, we would be struck with fear. God actually presents himself before us. If you even live, you'd be struck with fear. (laughs) Even though this didn't appear to make sense, it was right. Regardless of what the world thinks or believes is what the angel was telling him. Do not fear. Take her as your wife. I understand to you, in your worldly perspective, in in thinking about how things happen, the way things work, the way the world would even view this and perceive it to be, do not fear. For us, as we're presented with the absolute truth, the Word of God, God is always telling us, do not fear. Do not fear what man, man's view is, no matter how it is that they come at you. Don't fear. 
God is with you. Emmanuel. And that's all that matters. Thirdly, he pointed out that this, which is in Mary, is conceived from the Holy Spirit. This was something God initiated, not man. It was brought about by the will of God in a divine and supernatural way. And the angel continued, Mary will give birth to a son, and you shall name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And his name says it all. The anointed one of God, the Messiah, salvation. And in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, it says, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. No other name. Jesus. The angel gave a description of who Jesus was, what Jesus was going to do, and where Jesus came from. He said all of those things in just a few words. What Jesus came to do is what was emphasized by the angel. He was not coming as a national liberator. But a savior in the most important sense, salvation has come to deliver his people from the penalty of sin and break the power of sin and make it possible at a later time as we go to be at home with the Lord to be absent from the presence of sin. That was it regarding the angel's appearance and explanation to Joseph. That was it. That was the bottom line. But Matthew adds some insight as to the prophetic fulfillment that is spoken by the prophet Isaiah. We can read it in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, and it's those words that are placed there in verse 23. And again, obviously, Joseph wasn't thinking of this. Perhaps had he thought about it a little bit more, knowing the Old Testament, the law very well, he may have come upon it, but it was the angel that pointed out, hey, you remember Isaiah seven fourteen? That's it right there. That's this right now. Joseph wasn't thinking of this, but Matthew saw it as it was shown to him by the Holy Spirit. Matthew records it for you and I. Isn't it wonderful when the Holy Spirit brings you to a point of understanding? I I know I I tell you, read the word, read the word, keep reading the word. Don't stop reading the word. Every day, read the word. Don't let a day go by that you don't read the word. Because even if you don't have understanding at that point, when you come back to it, it's funny because you'll you'll read the same thing and you'll have this understanding and you'll, you'll stop. Like, wow, you know what? I've never seen that before. Was it there the last time I went through here? You know what I mean? You do, you, you ask that question because you, have, you get full understanding. Sometimes it's what you're going through, what you've experienced, your understanding of the Word of God, and then you go through it, and, and it all starts coming together. It all just fits together, and it's amazing. James 1.5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. That's a promise of God. Ask without doubting, and he'll give you understanding. He'll give you wisdom. 
So Matthew writes how the prophecy of Isaiah was being fulfilled in Jesus Christ through his virgin conception at birth and birth. Emmanuel, it's translated here for us by Matthew. It says, this means God with us. Emmanuel, this was this incredible truth of what God has fulfilled in Jesus Christ. God with us. God is here. But what does it mean to you? Because at Christmas time we can celebrate the birth, the birth of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. We can sing his, his praises at that time. We can celebrate Resurrection Sunday and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But what happens in between is of great importance for you and I. It actually proclaims what we truly believe in what this means to you. God with us is a reality that demands our attention, should drive us to contemplation, and compel us to take action. We can love God when we realize how He first loved us, when we truly believe that, when we grasp it. J.I. Packard said this, the gospel message is that there is hope for a ruined humanity, hope of pardon, hope of peace with God, hope of glory. Because at the Father's will, Jesus Christ became poor and was born in a stable so that 30 years later he might hang on a cross, close quote. That's the truth. That's reality right there. And the truth of the matter is that Jesus' birth shows how low God bent down to save man. A miracle of God in the cesspool of humanity. I remember a kind of a very vivid picture that Ken Graves, a pastor from Bangor, Maine, had told and kind of helps us, in a way, understand what God did. He told the story of, um, you know, in, in High Grove we still have the, um, uh, we're on a... Um, whole system of we don't have like the main uh, utilities and all that as far as our um, what's it called the septic thank you septic tank thank you Troy we, we don't have we have a septic tank we don't have a central connection and it all goes right so he's talking about how it was in in I I don't remember the story how it all begins but there's a septic tank and we know that all the waste lies below, and it was open for service. And um, this father's son is out there in the yard and playing. And as some, times go, some time goes by, the dad realizes that his son had gone too close to the opening to the cesspool and fell in. And the father goes to the opening and looks in. And without skipping a beat, without thinking twice, he dives right in to save his son from within the cesspool that he found himself in. Now, I'm a father. And I can tell you that I totally relate to that in the sense to where I wouldn't think twice about diving in myself. 
to make sure my, my son was pulled out and he was safe. But the father didn't think twice. He demonstrated his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, is what the Bible tells us. He dove into the cesspool of humanity to save you and me. That is the miracle of God and by God and for God in that he was reaching out to man to offer salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. Through him. And what's amazing is that Jesus was fully God and fully man and fully with us. He's not partially with us. He's fully with us. He doesn't give us a portion of himself. He gives us his everything. I read this quote. I don't know who wrote it, but it says, quote, then if Jesus Christ be God with us, let us come to God without any question or hesitancy. Whoever you may be, uh, or whoever you may be, you, whoever you may be, you need no priest. Or intercessor to introduce you to God, for God has introduced himself to you. He truly has, close quote, right? He truly has. You have trouble believing? You can receive divine clarity through the word of God. Keep going. Don't hold back. Just as Joseph was given divine clarity, so you and I can be given divine clarity also through the word of God. Hang in there. Because then comes personal belief and conviction. We see this in verses 24 and 25. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son And he called his name Jesus. Joseph immediately did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him. He married Mary. They had been engaged. He was betrothed. And then now, he simply walked out what he knew to be right. And that is the very word of God. Don't fear Take her as your wife. Marry her. And he did. But he did not have sex with her. He was not intimate. He didn't consummate the marriage until after she had given birth to Jesus. A son was indeed born, just as the angel had spoken, and they called his name Jesus. With that, I want to give you a couple things. This biblically denies the Roman Catholic doctrine of perpetual, the perpetual virginity of Mary. Because we know, not only from the Bible's records, but extra-biblical historical records, that Jesus had brothers himself. So there's no way that this could be true. The marriage was formally completed or consummated after Jesus was born. In fact, this whole thing about the perpetual virginity of Mary, did you know that this didn't come about until the 5th century? It wasn't even initiated from the very beginning. It wasn't believed. And and it still shouldn't be believed, because again, if you read the word, it's all in there. In fact, if you go to the historical records of the time, you also see the same thing. 
So this is an unbiblical doctrine. That's why it's important for us to be students of the Word of God. Because we're, we're showing ourselves as approved to the Lord. We're, we're before Him. Saying, Lord, I know Your Word. I won't be swayed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. I understand Your Word. And He gives it to you. We don't need anyone else. We can, with the help of the Holy Spirit, bring us into a, we can come into a place to where we understand. Along with Mary's immaculate conception... Mary's assumption into heaven, not true. And Mary's present role, as, as we learned at, uh, our, in, in our theology class, right? Mary's present role as believed by the Catholic Church to be co-savior and mediator for believers. Yeah. Um, there, there's all kinds of things. But that's, that's what I'm saying. We need to read the word, this, this right here. We read it together. In fact, we read it two times. We can read it, read it a third time. It's all there. And it's certain. It's the absolute truth. Each one of these false doctrines exalts Mary unbiblically. In fact, I want to take you to Luke chapter 1. This is straight from the word right here. Luke chapter 1 verse 26. So we got the guy's perspective, bottom line, right? Bottom line, these are the facts. Now let's, let's get uh, Mary's perspective, right? A little bit more in detail here. In Luke chapter 1, verse 26, it says, In the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed, to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. There it is again, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give to him the throne of of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. That's Mary's account. And then she goes on to visit Elizabeth. And then she has this beautiful song of praise that she exalts the Lord with in that chapter as well. And the birth of Jesus, or John the Baptist. So that's what we have in that chapter. But God with us, what is impossible with man is possible with God, is what we read there. For nothing will be impossible with God. We may begin with trouble believing, but then we receive this divine clarity through the Word of God. And as we understand who God is and how much He loves us, 
we come to believe and know that nothing truly is impossible with God. And He is with me. As you continue to walk this out with the Lord and surrender to Him and submit to His sanctifying work, your faith grows. And it's, it's easier to submit to His authority, to His Lordship in your life, to govern your life. That when you come across something that's like, it's hard for me to understand that, but you know what? That's okay, Lord, because all things are in your hand. You are perfect. You are good. And all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. I know that I am not to lean on my own understanding, but in all my, my ways acknowledge you, and you will direct my steps, my paths. Your word is a, a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. If I hide, if I hide your word in, in my heart, that I may not sin against you. You give me understanding. But even if I don't fully grasp, grasp it, if I don't fully understand, I'll walk this out. This is your truth. This is your word. It's absolute truth. My life is in your hands. God is with us is a reality that demands again our attention. This is the third time I'm saying this because it's very important for us to understand. God with us is a a reality that demands our attention, should drive us to contemplation and compel us to take action. What does action of belief look like in your life? Are you saved? How have you been responding to His love for you and the truth that He is with you? How have you been responding? Are you not saved? Have you not responded to God's grace and love demonstrated through Jesus Christ? Have you asked God for forgiveness of your sins and asked Him to be your Lord and Savior? And I pray as, as you do begin to understand, as, as you see who it is that, the, that Jesus is, the Son of God, that there is salvation in no other name, that you, like many here, many here, have simply surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, confessed your sins, and just been able to cry out to Him and, and cry out to Him as Lord and Savior. Today would be the day of salvation for you. The action of belief is a confession that Jesus is the Son of God. And just as was said in the New Testament, as, as Peter was asked, what are we to do? Well, repent and believe. Jesus said, repent and believe, repent and believe, you shall be saved. And the Bible tells us that for those who are in Christ Jesus, you are new creatures. The old have passed away, the new has come. And you walk in the newness of life. And you are assured of eternal life in Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you, Lord, this morning that you did send your son, Jesus Christ, Lord, for the purpose of fulfilling prophecy, yes, perfectly. And in fulfilling prophecy, you sent him to walk perfectly on this earth and to go to the cross for every single one of us, that we would, by his blood, have the remission of sins. By his broken body that we would be healed. And Lord, just as Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us, that as we surrender our lives to him and ask him for forgiveness and no salvation through him,
that you are not only with us now, but for eternity. Not for condemnation, but for eternal salvation. And one day we will be in all of your glory in heaven. And so Lord, thank you that you have uh, demonstrated to us through scripture how it was that even Joseph was brought through this. Lord, I pray that you would continue that in our lives. Bring us to a greater depth of belief and faith in you. May you be honored and glorified in our lives. And we thank you, Lord, for your grace and for your love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.